This podcast series is supported by members at Patreon. If you want to support this podcast series, head to patreon.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. Breweries can be found almost everywhere in the Pacific Northwest, from the largest cities to some of the smallest islands. Welcome to the Cascadian Beer Podcast. My name's Aaron and I'm a Cascadian. I have a background in radio and television broadcasting. I'm a music producer and have a passion for beer. I don't consider myself to be an expert in beer by any means, but I do enjoy and respect the craft and the passion of these brewmasters. I want to learn from these pioneers and what sets them apart from the rest and why they choose to call Cascadia their home. Cascadia is a bioregion in the Pacific Northwest on the North American continent. It is made up of the U.S. states of Washington and Oregon, as well as the Canadian province of British Columbia. In this podcast series, I'll be profiling the unique breweries of Cascadia, a region that has a strong presence in the international beer scene. In this episode, I'm visiting Maine Island, a small community of just over a thousand people located in the southern Gulf Islands of British Columbia. Maine Island Brewing Company opened their doors in December of 2016 with small batch bottle conditioned beers. Your name? Michael Garrett, proprietor, general Doug's buddy, beer maker. <laughs> Annette Whitman, artist, uh, wife of brewer. Um, mother. Mother, feeder of all brewing staff. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what is the name of your brewery? Main Island Brewing Company. And when did you open? In December of 2016. Which is not that long ago at the time of this taping. Four months. Yeah, we're pretty pretty much babies in the industry. We're on Maine Island, hence the name. Uh, why did you want to open a brewery here? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was making beer as a home brewer, and I was uh, giving my beer away to various accounts in in Vancouver that I work with. I sell wine for a living, and uh, I, I got some really nice feedback from the beers that I was giving away, and. We had a, well, first, I guess, a, a dream to, to start a brewery. And then we had a building that was more applicable, brewery-like. My art studio. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and so, and so the, it, it just, we didn't really put a lot of thought into it. I mean, Maine Island doesn't have a cidery. It doesn't have a winery. And, and so brewing has become very popular. Craft brewing uh, in particular has, has taken off. And, and we just felt like we could give it a go. I call it his midlife crisis, but we can say that that's probably not a bad one to have, starting a brewery. It's fun so far. Yeah. Well, hearing your uh, English accent, I take it that you're not from Maine Island. No, I'm a, I'm originally from Cheshire, uh, just uh, about 30 miles south of, of Manchester. 
So uh, I was brought up with, with, with beers like Old Peculiar from Theakston's and uh, Robinson's Ales. I can't remember what I used to drink from them. It was good. And Marston's Pedigree, that was from Burton Wood. So they were the sort of beers that I was brought up with and uh, always enjoyed drinking good beer. Is that why you wanted to open the brewery? Like, do you do English kind of style beers? It's not. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think we we really opened knowing exactly what we were going to do. I like the idea that Annette's from Holland, and and so we have two European style ales, and I'm from the UK, so we have two British style ales, and it just seems to sort of balance, and we can offer people two different parts of the beer world. So when did you first move to the island? We moved here about twelve years ago. We had a three-year-old and an eight-month-old children and didn't really know what we were getting into. Uh, We just knew we needed to be closer to Vancouver for Michael's wine sales. And this turned into a really nice way to have weekends away from work and have a nice rural lifestyle, which we were used to in the Okanagan, and was a nice way to uh, kind of find a balance in life. So did it start out as like the weekend home and then you moved over here full time? No, no, we came here. uh, I've been coming here for years with a friend who had a cabin who were weekenders and uh, they had their wedding here. And I think we came out the week after their wedding or two weeks after their wedding to start looking at properties. We'd been here for the wedding together as a family and, and we really enjoyed it. It was a really nice place to, you know, kind of settle. And um, we didn't know really any locals um, at the time. And now we are definitely integrated right into the center of the local populace. (laughs) So how many people are on the island? There's about a thousand full-time residents of that, about 700 stay year round. And a few of them go off and hang out in some warmer places in the winter. And then we have, you know, quite a few more weekender populace who come here and spend a lot of their summers here. Uh, Maybe they're teachers or, you know, students. Yeah. So they have weekend homes that they use in the summers or during like the busy weekends, like Easter weekend, which is coming up. So they'll be busy too. Now you've only been open a few months, but how's the island's reception of you been since you've been open? Like what's sort of the feedback that you've been getting from the locals? Well, I don't think we've had any pushback, which is something that I I was somewhat thinking might happen because there's definitely people here with strong opinions about things that happen. And and so far, we've had really positive feedback from some of the individuals even that I thought might not be interested in seeing any more industry happening on the island. And it's not like we're really industrious. We're a very small home-based business. But yeah, we've had some amazing support from the local populace. But a lot of people are also coming that are uh, that are here just on a visit. They see your sign and they drive up and they're excited to have something to do on a rainy day. And so far, it's been pretty good. Are you nervous at all for the coming summer? As, as, yeah. it's, as it's kind of the height of activity on the island. It right? will be very busy. And, you know, hence us not doing much publicity. <laughs> we We have been very slow at, you know, putting a lot of information out there. Yeah, we're still trying to figure things out from uh, not just a beer perspective, but a volume perspective. It's only really in the last week or two that we've started selling to two sort of island restaurants. And now we're gearing up to start making kegs for the two of them. So 
uh, things are slowly coming together, uh, but I'm pretty happy going at this pace. I, I don't think, you know, I expected to, this to happen too fast. I, I'm glad it's going at a sort of slower, more leisurely pace anyway, because I think that gives us time to, to tweak a few things and, and hopefully keep on improving. What was your initial inspiration, Michael, on to start brewing beer as a home brewer? I, I think um, Saturday mornings and British soccer and the idea of making beer on the on the stove. Uh, Annette got me a kit and it had been a long time since I'd brewed anything. And, and so she got me back into it and it just became a, a way of life on a Saturday morning. And we just started having some fun. He was always the happiest while brewing. So <laughs> I remember one day you told us, this is what I want to do. I want to brew. Okay. And the whole, you know, it was like a family meeting and it was like, this is where we're going, where I'm going to brew and everybody has to get on board now. We're all going to have summertime jobs. Everybody's going to have to take on a role and the kids are on board. They've been bottling, labeling. They help out. My son's really good techie support. He gets all the uh, the Monatico money system set up before we open every day. He helps and you build the website too, yeah, I think. Yeah, he helped with the website and helps keep the Instagram site going. And it's been really great that way. And our daughter is an incredible support. She's the first to step up and clean bottles when that has to happen or whenever anything has to happen, really. She's 12 and uh, she's also selling her handmade art cards in the brewery. And she's been doing that for the last two years for the market. So she's excited to have another outlet for those. And you deal with the LDB and all of their paper requirements and, yes. and, and payment processing. And so it's really evolved to become a, a full-on family business. Yeah. Um, I also design all the labels and do all the artwork for that. Um, we have a great friend of ours who's amazing with tech support for that. So he's, he helps me get things print ready. That's been kind of fun coming up with some imagery and working out what our labels are going to look like. So that's been fun. What's the size of your uh, brew house back there? Uh, so the, the kettle size is uh, 140 liters. Uh, I, I believe it's a barrel and a half, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure about that. But 140 liters, and we usually cook up twice a week. So every every Friday and Saturday, you'll find me in the brewery cooking up. And Friday and Saturday also happen to be our open days. So it's a little bit but like baking cookies and trying to sell a house. Uh, the, the brewery always smells great when people first start arriving to, to sample and, and buy some beer from us. Were there a few places in the Pacific Northwest that inspired you to actually open this place? Did you go to some other breweries and say, you know, that's the size and that's what I want to do? We we had a couple of road trips. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in Vancouver most weeks, so I, I sort of have a feel for what's going on in Vancouver. But we did a, a road trip down to Seattle one year and a friend of mine had told me about Foggy Noggin being a small batch brewery. And, and so we went there. Unfortunately, we couldn't meet with Jim, the owner, but we got to come home with a, a case of really great beers and, and, and they hung out in the beer cellar for probably about 18 months to two years. And the longer you left them, the better they got. And, and we went to another couple of other breweries in, in Seattle. Uh, and then a year or two later, we did a road trip to Portland. Again, you know, we've been trying to seek out some of the smaller brewers. Um, we are limited with the space that we can use here on Main Island or on our property because we are a home-based business. So small was always the way to go um, for us. Yeah, we can always um, look at growing, but we really don't want to grow. We we like the idea of being smaller and we could get a variance and, you know, go bigger, but 
it's, you know, a lot of people ask us that. And a lot of people also ask about the water use. So that's something that well, we, you But know. you're only a few months in anyway. So. Yeah. And, the, but the, you know, it is a, it's a legitimate question on the Gulf Islands. Um, you know, we have a limited water table, so we're really cautious about what we use. We do monitor how much we're using and, and it's had to go through registering the water system and everything. Do you have like rain capture or anything like that? Uh, we use it for cooling the beer. So it's a, it's a good way to utilize what we have here and and we basically have a closed system, so it goes back and forth, and it's never wasted. We capture probably close to about 8,000 gallons of rainwater each and every winter. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're trying not to use our table. Which is what we use for all of our watering and our gardening. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good system. So apart from water, like what other challenges do you face being a brewery on the island? Well, there's the whole logistical issues. I'm fortunate that I have a warehouse in Vancouver that I can store pallets of, uh, of bottles and um, the grain, of course, comes from a supplier in Vancouver and we have to make sure that we've booked our ferry trip back to Main Island so that we can bring all of that grain home as, as well as take the, the finished product, the beers, back into the city where we sell to uh, about half a dozen different accounts in Vancouver and Whistler. So logistically, it's obviously a lot more challenging than uh, many other places uh, in a city. And you have power issues here too on the island, right? We probably have a fair share of, of power outages. I, I think that they're not quite as frequent these days as they used to be. We had one last week. We had one on on Friday. We'd, we'd, uh, I, I usually get up fairly early and get the cook-up going. And probably by about four o'clock in the afternoon, we got a power outage for all of 45 minutes. But fortunately, yeah, I'd finished the cook-up and everything was put to bed. But yeah, that's why we also went with a gravity-fed system as well, just because we only rely on power really for, for cooling the wort. Just for the pumps. Yeah, yeah. So again, you've only been open a few months, but do you have like a beer that everybody is just buying or is it kind of evenly split across what you're making? In the city, the the, the blonde ale that we're making is is really the, the, the beer that uh, a lot of restaurants have switched on to. That and the uh, the Main Island Forager. Uh, the Main Island Forager is a, a Saison or a farmhouse ale. We augment it with different flavors each and every, every time we make it, so no batch is ever the same. We forage um, for items yeah. found locally here on the island for each batch. And we've had King Apple Saison. We've had blackberry, salalberries. Uh, I smelled your nettle one. Back yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. The nettle is a definite favor of mine. I I love the nettle saison or, or forager, as we've called it. That one definitely seems, one seems to, to draw seems a lot to, of attention yeah. from a lot I think of people. people. Just like the fact that every time, well, maybe not every time they come into the store, but it changes fairly frequently, so they get the same sort of great base but it's always flavored a little bit differently. So um, the forager definitely seems to be a winner. So I'd say that and the blonde were the, were the big ones for us right now. Yeah, but um, you know, it's interesting, like the, the customers that come in, there's there's some people that just come in every week and they just buy, buy the brown ale or they're, they're just there for the IPA. You know, they know what they like and that's what they want. They might taste the other beers, but they're, you know, really interested in the certain beers that they like. So I don't find that we're selling out of one product over the other product. It's not a super noticeable difference for sure. And then we're uh, having a beer that's made with beets at the moment. What's the story behind this beer? 
Ah, the beatbox. Uh, we were at the Alibi Room probably about five or six years ago in Vancouver and went in and had a flight of beer. And, and one of them happened to be from, um, I think it's uh, Elysian. Uh, I, where are they based out of? Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, Elysian out of Seattle. And it was called a beatbox. And so we stole the name and <laughs> I made a beatbox at home. And it was very, it was well received. Every, all our friends. It's it, it's an interesting beer. I don't think you can, you can drink too many of them. A, it's 6.4% alcohol and B, it's got just that wonderful earthy, beaty sort of complexity that goes on. So It's not yet been released, so it, it's going to be probably the beat Nick Bach. So we're working on the label still. So it, we're, we're, we're getting there with that one. Yeah. It's it's fun trying different things like that, though, you know, it keeps guys like me really interested. But each and every batch, because we are small batch, each and every batch presents its own issues or possible slight tweaks. I don't think I've ever stopped tweaking or maybe ever will stop tweaking. So if uh, if somebody was wanting to open something on the same scale as you, um, what advice could you give them? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well... Uh, it's too early for us to really say that. Yeah, I we're still and, like trying to figure out the whole financial situation. It, it's definitely hard to make money at this industry. I think if we were producing anything that didn't include liquor, it would be a lot easier. I think that there's a, you know, you have a partner with the LDB system and that, you know, means that you end up paying more fees than if you were producing jam or anything else. But why would you want to produce jam if you can produce beer? <laughs> but you also have the added challenge of you are at the mercy of uh, BC Ferries too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The BC Ferries is, you know, they've kept stepping up. They keep adding more sailings on when it's busy. And yeah, it costs money to get here. Absolutely. But you get so much when you get here. Mm -hmm. But there's no bridge connecting you to the island. Thank right? God yeah. for that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> BC Ferries, uh, you know, I, you love to hate them, but you love to love them too, because they get you here. And uh, we've spent many an hour on BC Ferries, Michael more than I. And it's it can be tough sometimes when you're fighting crowds, but it's part and parcel of living on a small Gulf Island. So what's your favorite beer that you make to pair with your favorite food here on the island? I, I think the blonde works really well. We do a lot of East Indian style food. Uh, a lot of it's often vegetarian, but I mean, if we if we're lucky and we get some great chicken, then a, a yeah. chicken curry and the blonde works really, yeah, really well. Some Farmgate chickens, if we can get some of their Farmgate chickens. Yeah, it's awesome. uh, and um, and again, it works with a variety of different cheeses. Yeah, again, it's sort of a little on the early side to say, because I think we just need to drink more of our beers and, mm -hmm. you know, get to see how they play with different food styles. Yeah, I'm looking forward to summer when the garden is in full production and we can have a lot of big feasts outside at the table and put all the beers out for our friends. And that's definitely part of living on a Gulf Island, feasting. So with summer coming, if somebody was coming out here or they just want to come out here just to visit you guys, when are you open? Well, for the winter, our hours were pretty reduced, so we'll probably have longer hours in the summer. But we are open right now, Friday from 1 till 4 and Saturday from 1 till 4. And we will definitely open up for people who are coming here outside of those hours and we'll sell people beer. Uh, if we're around, our phone number is always posted down at the bottom of the driveway and they can give us a call and, and we're happy to uh, 
to host people anytime, really, that we're available. And I think as well, going into summer, our hours will change and it's possible we'll do a, a midweek offering uh, or maybe we'll just do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday as the island gets busier. And we'll probably be involved with a couple of the farmers markets that happen here every Saturday. Uh, I don't think we'll do every one of them, but I think we'll probably pick and choose which ones we choose to do. And yeah. that depends on our staff levels because, you know, we're a very small group at the minute. We'd love to show up at the May Day festivals. There's a big May Day event here on the 20th. That's uh, a lot of fun. That'll be our first farmer's market of the year uh, here on the island. So if if it works out, we'll be there. There's uh, a Campbell Bay Music Festival. We'll be serving beer at that festival. It's it's a very small, tiny festival that happens yearly. It's probably the ninth year this year, Mm, just down the road. Every summer solstice. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, I mean, thank you so much for inviting me to your home because it, it is a home business and um, it's it's a Monday when we're taping this. So, I mean, thank you so much again for your time. You're so welcome. Thanks for making it all the way out here to Maine Island. Definitely put some effort in. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Michael and Annette for their time, inviting me out to their home and they even picked me up from the ferry, served me a delicious lunch. It was a really great day on the island. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much to them. And you got to make it out to the island. You have to go to Maine Island, say hi to them for me, and try their amazing beers as well. Hopefully there'll be uh, more on the mainland. But you know what? Beer's always better from the source, isn't it? So you got to go out to Maine Island. If you want to check out some photos of the Maine Island Brewing Company, you can head to the website at cascadian.beer. Links are also in the show notes. I would like to thank those of you supporting this podcast series on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cascadianbeer. If you want to stay up to date, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. Check us out on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Cascadian Beer. I also recently got into Instagram, so Cascadian Beer as well on Instagram. And of course, there's always the website at cascadian.beer. And by the way, did you know that iTunes Podcasts is not called that anymore? It's now called Apple Podcasts. You can find Cascadian Beer there. And you can go and leave us a review there. It really helps get this series into as many ears as possible. And I want to thank those of you who have left reviews as well, because uh, we've been climbing the ranks recently for craft beer podcasts in both the U.S. and Canadian stores. So thank you so much for your continued support. Until next time, remember, support your local.